Welcome to our weekly three-minute therapy podcast with me, Dr. Michael Edelstein, clinical psychologist and author, and Mick Berry, who co-authored the book Stage Fright with me. And we discuss everything related to REBT, Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, an approach devised by the brilliant Albert Ellis in 1955, 56. And rational behavior, rational emotive behavior therapy has a basic principle that our disturbed emotions, anxiety, depression, and anger come from our thinking, escalating our preferences into demands. And the three main demands are, I prefer to do well and get approval, therefore I must, otherwise I'm no good. I prefer my life to be fair, easy, and hassle-free. And it must, otherwise my life is awful, I'll be miserable forever. And I strongly prefer you treat me well, and therefore you absolutely must. And if you don't, you're no good, you deserve to roast in hell, and I've appointed myself your roaster, and that causes anger, resentment, hostility. Uh, today we are uh, honored to have as our guest Zen Benefiel. He's the executive director of the Live and Let Live movement and also is heads the transformational life coaching program. So Zen, would you want to start by giving us a brief outline of the, tr the transitional life coaching program? The transformational one, sure. Um, you know, transformational life coaching is different than traditional life coaching in that it addresses the inner life. And starting from there, everything else proceeds. So it's really important to focus on how that inner life is developed, what's there now, what needs to be there, how to access it, how to engage it in practical and pragmatic ways, and then how to create action plans that incorporate the inner and outer worlds succinctly. So could, is there a great overlap there with REBT? And that is we deal with the inner life also in terms of people's thinking, what uh, motivates them leads to act or procrastinate on acting in certain ways and create certain emotions. Yeah, kind of the difference between uh, stinking and, and uh, salient thinking, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Mick, did I, you want to put in a word about that? Yeah, I wanted to ask Zem what he meant by inner, the inner life. <laughs> That's a great question that I'd love to answer in such that the inner life, um, it's something we're bereft of understanding. We live half inside and half outside, whether we realize it or not. The inner life is one that's connected to everything. Uh, some people call it spirituality. It is the connection we have to the reality of what is beyond the emotional constraints that we experience from our thinking. And by connection we have, do you mean how we think about reality, which leads to what you're calling the inner life? How, no, not particularly. Uh, thinking is a result of how we sense our environment. And the sensory apparatus that we have resides in the gut first. That's the center of most of the, neuros the neurosensors beyond the brain. Heart has some 
gut has the second number uh, or second most. And so it, according to, uh, I think both indigenous and Vedantic philosophy is where we've sensed everything around it through the vibratory nature that reality is. And quantum science is now proving that. Well, I'm not uh, a master in quantum science. So uh, Mick, do you wanna take- I'm not either, but I have learned how to feel deeply since I was a kid and respond to that. Uh, Mick? Mick, you had a question? Um, yeah, I believe I have a contention with this and I'm gonna try to be respectful with any contention I might have, Zen, because I respect you coming on here because you're obviously outnumbered. So that takes some courage on your part. Um, so, I, I have found, because I did an extensive uh, program of meditation and what people would, and the outfit called it spirituality, but I have found that our feelings and our thoughts are virtually inseparable. There might be a momentary experience. Hang on a second, Nick, because I think you've got, got me confused with something with emotions this is not emotions this is sensory apparatus that we have okay well we so, so in other words i touch the desk and i can feel the desk mm. what do you mean by sensory i'm trying to understand that okay so we have sensory apparatus that goes far beyond the physical senses of, of the five what and, can there be besides the five senses uh, well, that stems from an inner connection that we have and the vibratory uh, span that it has. You know, we've got so many different, and even uh, there is, and I'm going to leap into quantum physics here for a moment. There's a model called the triadic dimensional distinction vortical paradigm that states that consciousness, space, and time are tailored across nine dimensions of consciousness for the humans. It doesn't eliminate other dimensions. It just says that this is our uh, realm of experience, if you will. And in that there is a gradation, if you will, of the levels of, of sensitivity that we have. And the physical body is just one of those senses. But by sensitivity, see, to me, sensitivity means one of the senses probably maybe uh tactile is what i think of first tactile sensitivity mm -hmm. or maybe sensitivity to ideas or sensitive to emotions i don't see how we can have sensitivity beyond at least one of those three there might be but well, i understand and, and most people don't because as i said before we're bereft of the interconnection that we all have initially from my experience uh, as a teenager, I went through a process that I actually questioned reality. I wanted to know what truth was. And I was willing to die for it if necessary. Um, I, I don't see truth and reality being any different. Exactly. It's our perception of it that varies, right? So depending I, I, on where we're perceiving from depends on how we view reality and, and those perceptions usually have a lot of uh, cognitive bias along with it because of, of what we've learned in the outer world, how we've 
taken that inside and kind of like with Michael and what he went through with the three different areas, uh, areas that he spoke of earlier. So those are things that are intrinsically uh, almost fear-based because we're afraid of being accepted, being acknowledged, being fully who we are. But all of that to me says thinking. If we have a fear, there is thinking connected to the fear. Is Okay, so absolutely, if we have fear, that's thinking, because we've chosen to be afraid, rather full of anxiety, as opposed to being uh, full of anticipation, right? The same sensation in the gut is that, you know, when you enter a situation, you feel that slight, uh, it's almost like butterflies in the gut. You're talking about stage fright, same kind of thing, right? You're getting ready to go on stage. You feel the butterflies. Well, that could be interpreted as anxiety. And, and you're, you know, you're afraid of performing to your best. Or it could be anticipation, knowing that you're going to have a lot of fun on stage. It could be anxiety. Nick, I want to get a word in here edgewise. Um, and that is, in the book, Mick and I wrote Stage Fright. Mick interviewed uh, many uh, performers. And there was one of them, I think, and so Mick asked him, how do you deal with anxiety? And one of them said, well, I just, if I'm feeling anxious in advance, I just remind myself, it's great anticipation, not anxiety. So I think that reinforces what you're saying, Sam. Mick, did you want to say something? Yeah, that, and that's changing your thinking. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And also with sure. sensory apparatus that you mentioned, Zen, isn't how we, what we think we're feeling sensorily is how we're evaluating it. For example, there was experiment done when uh, people were given ice to touch. They were blindfolded, they were given ice to touch. And one group were told that it's a hot burning coal. <laughs> and they quickly touched it and they quickly pulled their hand away because they interpreted it the sensory feelings as hot burning, burning coal. And uh, the others were told there was ice and they didn't pull their hands away so quickly. That speaks to the ability that people have of being, um, it's, I had the word on top of my head, um, of how they're being essentially programmed, right? So you've got this precursive notion that you're being told and how susceptible we are to suggestion of it. Now, from a, a vibratory sense, there's a something, it's like a Zen thing. It's like, what is, right? And the reality, our perception of reality is based on our awareness and how deeply we can not think and allow that perception to come up in us and reveal what it truly is. For instance, in the outer explanation or exploration of that, you might have a sensation that has that anxious feeling or maybe a bit fearful, you're not sure why, well, you look around and you realize, oh, I'm safe. So there's a way to transcend whatever that fear was to, okay, I'm safe. What else is going on here? Is there something that I'm about to experience that could be important? And this is why I'm being triggered to become more aware in the moment and not necessarily be analyzing of it yet. Yeah, Mick? Well, I've found that in living day to day in a functional manner, 
reality is not that complicated in terms of taking care of myself and preserving my own body, I think all of us would agree it's a good idea not to jump out of the 10th story of a hotel window. Correct. That's, that's a very easy conclusion to make. Now, I'm just talking about taking care of myself physically or if I'm driving a car to be aware that other people are driving cars and I could get in an accident and I will do best to be careful and look where I'm going. I don't drive my car with my eyes shut and try to intuitively predict where people are going to be. Sure. Well, that would be kind of silly now, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I, I don't see perception of the world in dealing with it on a day-to-day -day functional way as being complicated or hard to understand. Well, we face many emotional quagmires on a daily basis when we experience life in a ethical and moral way, right? How, what feels best, what is the best for us, best way for us to take action. You know, I found that we have, um, you know, kind of three basic scenarios where our attention is, what our intention is, and then how we interact with life from that perspective. Right. So, I think if we simplify things, it's easier to figure out what to do. Absolutely. And life, it, you're right, life is not that complicated. However, the, our bodies and our sensory apparatus and, and, you know, we, most Westerners especially, uh, think, uh, operate from the shoulders up. We don't pay attention to what's going on in our bodies, what the sensitivity is, how we're being triggered, the various things, you know, the, uh, for instance, the datuns and, and the marmas or the meridians and all of these things are perceptors of the reality that we're experiencing. Now, depending on our level of awareness is to how we actually integrate and, and interact with that reality. Yeah, well, I would contend we don't operate from the shoulders up enough that most Westerners and most human beings don't use their mind to see things in a realistic way nearly enough. And that Let's we make a distinction between the brain and the mind the brain and the mind. Our thoughts are what I'm talking about. So when I say we don't use our mind, what I mean is we don't think realistically. When, when I say we don't use our mind as well as we can, we don't think as realistically as we can and as practically as we can in self-help ways. And human beings are by nature self-defeating. And I don't think that there's any way to change the nature of being a human being, which part of which is to be self-defeating. It's also in our nature to be self-helping when we're able to do it. I, I, I would, from my experience, be in contention with that. Our basic nature is to love and be loved. I disagree. I think our basic nature is to love and be loved and also hate and be hated. That happens in the time in memorial that, that comes from choices to how we process the it, the information that we see receive and whether we want to remain stalwart enough to stay in our own truth or allow others to affect us right and so we choose what is better for us but we still have a tendency to choose what could be worse the majority i agree 
with that because of the lack of awareness and sensitivity and understanding of how reality responds to how we think and feel. Right. And I think it's a lack of awareness of reality and a lack of awareness of other people and what their intentions are. I'd like to get a word in here. Yeah, sure. Twice, sure. And that to, to make it more practical, and if you're helping someone who's anxious, they're worried about failure, uh, do, you, do you have a particular approach to that? Or do you want more information from them before you can help them? I generally have, uh, I need more information. First of all, um, one of my clients comes to mind that had severe anxiety attacks to the point where he would show up at work and then have to leave because he couldn't handle it. And they're in kind of like mixed talking about, right? The, the brain and the thinking takes over and uh, you become nearly uh, immobile and, you know, the fight or flight syndrome. And so the, the flight takes place. Well, how we worked on that was to be able to have him be able to just pause for a moment and a very simple technique, putting his fingertips together with palms slightly separated and feeling his heartbeat in his fingertips for a moment Dude. while being conscious of his breathing. What that does is it gets you out of your head and into feeling your heartbeat, first of all, which takes you out of any anxious moments and allows you to kind of still yourself. And sometimes it can happen in moments. Sometimes it takes a few minutes. The process does work when it's applied and it allows one to recenter and look around with a, a different perspective, a different awareness, if you will, that there is no danger present. Yeah, Mick. Yeah, I was gonna say what REBT would say is, you can never be any place but your head. There's no way to get out of your head. You're always with your mind and your thoughts. And when people have anxiety, one very common human trait, which I think your client was experiences, experiencing is they begin to have anxiety about the anxiety. That, oh no, I'm very anxious true. and very now true. I'm feeling <clears throat> even worse. and. It is a dynamic where that's where panic comes in. And if somebody is thinking that way, I could see why they wouldn't feel that they could be at work. And REBT would, would say, ah, so you're having anxiety about your anxiety. You can practice knowing that your anxiety is something you can live with. Having anxiety about the anxiety is what's doing you in. And so if you can say to yourself, oh, I can handle the anxiety rather than, oh, I must not be anxious. It's two different experiences. Absolutely. And what the technique that I explained does is it, it takes you out of both of those and just allows you to be present. Yeah, I, I would say what it does and, is- And, it, then, and then the thinking, and then the thinking, which are choices we make, initially unconsciously, if we, when we allow things to overcome us, or the conscious choices that we can make in a disciplined way that takes us beyond that moment in, into a place that's more peaceful. Yeah, and I was gonna say, I think the reason that your approach is effective is the person begins to feel 
that they they are no longer so aware of their anxiety, so they cease to have anxiety about anxiety. But what REBT tries to teach people is that they can avert their anxiety about their anxiety by thinking in self-helping ways rather than self-defeating. Sure. It's, there are various disciplines that can have the same effect to take us out of the place that we don't want to be in to a place that we would prefer. Well, the goal, I think, is peace of mind and mm -hmm. tranquility within ourselves. And by that, I simply mean we're not living in a state of emotional agitation. Right, right. right. The, 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 the more preferred, you know, is that, okay, life is good. I'm okay. Uh, people around me love me. I, I'm supported. I'm acknowledged. I'm accepted. Uh, and then where can we go from there in moving together in some kind of, you know, depending on the situation, whether it's a relationship or job or, or an organization or, you know, a global peace movement, uh, how do we proceed together more effectively? Yeah, well, we run, well Mick, Mick, we're running out of time. So why don't you have your last word, then we'll let Zen have his last word, and then we'll conclude. Well, I was just going to say, REBT would say, you can have the awareness. I probably am loved by many people or many people say they like me, but I don't even have to be loved. I can accept myself without love from anybody else. I can accept my life without it being easy, even if there are great difficulties with it. And I can accept other people, even if they don't do what I'd like. I would like to be loved. I'd like my life to be easier. I would like other people to do things that I want them to, but I don't have to have them do it. Very good summary, Mick. And Zen? I would agree with you, Mick, and take it to the place of self-love is most important first. If we don't have that, we can't accept and or extend anything else fully. Well, thank you very much, Mick Berry and Zen Benefiel for a rousing discussion. At least I was aroused by it. <laughs> well, thanks and a lot, Zen. Like I said, I, I appreciate your bravery. Well, you know, it's kind of, I've found that life can be a fearless approach to being, and that process could be, you know, a lifelong endeavor as it has been for me. And I'm honored, valued, and humbled by the process. Well, there's no question. Yeah. Life is a lifelong endeavor of. I'm trying to wrap it up here, but. Achieving pleasure, hopefully. Thank you. I'll get some pleasure by concluding and I wanted to thank you Zen Benefiel of the Transformational Life Coaching Program and Nick Berry, my REBT partner and co-author. Thank you Chris Rossini, our technical engineer. Comment below if you want to put in your two cents. Give us a like, a thumbs up if you enjoyed this as much as I did and <laughs> subjects for future podcast volunteer looks like zen survived and donate to patreon to help support us and subscribe to the three minute therapy podcast to stay on the rational side of life <laughs>